welcome to this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week we are doing, oh, look over there. What is that? I don't, I don't know what that was. That was me trying to act. We're doing Bigfoot sightings number three. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry for that acting. Um, and Bigfoot sightings, if you haven't listened to the previous two, we basically reconnect with a few previous guests. So today we're bringing you three different uh, little kind of 20 minute episodes, 20 minute segments uh, with three different guests. Uh, we are t- reconnecting with Ryan Chikuski. I said his name right this time. Last time I pronounced it wrong and I felt so dumb. Uh, so we're reconnecting with Ryan. Ryan just wrote a book. Uh, it's called Bigfoot 200 because, you know, why the F not? Um, it's a great book. I've read it at this point um, and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh for the various reasons that we will get into on the podcast. And this week, I believe it starts his Publishizer campaign. So you can go on Publishizer.com and look up the Bigfoot 200 book and support him because he's right now reaching out, trying to find various publishers for uh, to release the book. And so it's kind of a crowdsourcing thing. You go on and you say you're going to donate however much and really essentially what you're doing is just buying the book so if you go on and you say like hey i'm going to give him 15 dollars or 20 dollars to get the book uh it'll also help him by exposing this to publishers and showing their interest and i gotta say after reading it you definitely want to read this book if you like this podcast um you're gonna really enjoy what he wrote uh it's the bigfoot 200 experience kind of summarized so he's our first guest second we are going to catch back up with bigfoot sightings regular jason suddeth uh he just randomly ran a 50k and called me and told me about it um i think he actually ended up only only running only he he ended up running a trail marathon but it was on a whim it was at the last minute he survived rain snow um and like I don't want to spoiler alert. There's some twists in there. He does some really cool ultra running stuff, uh, participation stuff that I've never done. So that's super cool. He's training currently for one of my absolute favorite races, the Quest for the Crest, which is put on by Run Bum uh, in Black Mountain, North Carolina. And it's so awesome. You should look it up immediately and then sign up as soon as you can for next year's race because this one sold out because it is that awesome. Uh, And then finally, we are reconnecting with Jennifer Mabus. She is the whimsical woman. We've had her on the show before. um, And I think we had her probably six months ago. She was on talking about preparing for the Pacific Crest Trail. And uh, it is now April and she is days away from stepping onto the trail and beginning her adventure beginning her like super awesome trek from mexico all the way up to canada uh it's gonna be awesome i'm super stoked to uh follow her journey and i really highly suggest that you guys do as well um and you can find all of her stuff at whimsical woman so so yeah that's it for the intro we're gonna do a quick one this week so 
Uh, hope you guys enjoy these segments. Hope you enjoy Bigfoot sightings. It's one of my favorite things because I, I'm a supporter, man. Like I support people who are doing really cool things, and each one of these guests and anyone I've ever had on Bigfoot sightings, they they've they're doing cool things, and I'm just super excited to to reconnect with them and get to share their story and just be like the tiniest part of their journey and give them as much support as I possibly can. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy. All right, guys, real quick, we're going to talk with, uh, catch it back up with Ryan Chikuski. Um, he's just finished writing the Bigfoot 200 book and, uh, yeah, just kind of catching back up. So what's up, man? Not much, dude. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. So you're Excellent. you're also dad now, which is a whole dad other now. thing. Yeah, two months today. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Do you realize why parents make such good ultra runners? <laughs> Patience, lack of sleep. Yep. Just, <laughs> yeah. Just absolutely. I I was joking with my friend because I was at his house this weekend and we we're just sitting on the couch and I'm like, dude, I never get to sit just sit on the couch. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm constantly just doing squats because I have to get up every two seconds. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do we make good ultra runners too because we have that like need to get out of the house? I think that <laughs> is part of it. Like when I talk <laughs> to people, that's you get out of the house and you just get to clear your mind because you have nothing yeah. except uh, taking steps forward for however long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think you're, you said you're always on your feet too. So, you know, we've got time on our feet training going on. That's it, man. At all times. <laughs> well, I remember talking to you about training for the Bigfoot 200 and you were mm-hmm. talking about time on your feet and how important that was. So, Oh, yeah. Dude, you're going to be set whenever you're headed back there. I think so. You're probably right. <laughs> I can't tell you how many – the nursery's upstairs. And so, you know, diapers – it's like a diaper change every 10 minutes. Yep. So it feels like I'm doing stairs all day long. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. There's some good Minnesotan training for it. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I so let's talk a little bit about the book. Um, what's yeah. kind of the next steps and, and how can people help you out? Because I got to say, like, you guys are going to want to read this book. It's really, really good, uh, really entertaining. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you read you read it. I sent it to you. Thank you so much. Got some great uh, great some uh, great pointers and everything. So thank you again for doing that. Um, next steps here is in uh, like two and a half weeks on April sixteenth. Um, it's going to be a go live for pre order. So it's a pre order publishing campaign. And the idea behind that is um, so it's available. There's all kinds of different incentives too. So like if you just buy the book, book's going to be twenty dollars. Um, if you buy it, you're going to get a you'll get an autographed copy. If you do like uh, $25, you'll get a personalized autograph copy. Um, you do $40, you'll get all three of my books. Uh, and then so on and so forth. There's yeah, yeah. different things you can check out on there. So that's going to go live on Monday, April 16th. And uh, there's a whole website set up for it. Um, uh, it's a whole proposal out there that people can see. Um, and the idea is that you pre-order the book. And then we get a bunch of pre-orders. And then publishers take a look at it. And they're like, yep, we want this book. They pick it up, we work a deal, it gets published, it gets printed, and you get your copy. That rocks, man. So it's almost kind of like a crowdsource, sort of? Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically like a crowdsource specific for books. Okay. Yep. Cool, man. Uh, yeah. 
Well, so let's let's sell the book real quick. I thought yeah. it's so it's it's the story of the Bigfoot 200 from last year from all these different perspectives. And there's your your perspective, um, your wife. So like the perspective of the crew, which I thought she was absolutely hilarious and really entertaining <laughs> um, <clears throat> because I just OK, first of all, I was just shocked with how many miles she had to drive. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, what did she say? 700? I think it was 700 miles. Yeah. And And how uh, long, like how many minutes did she see you at an aid station? Oh, at most, uh, 30. (laughs) Like, I think there was one, there was one stop we made where I decided to, you know, rest a little bit and that was like 30 minutes. And yeah. 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 And just first, yeah, it was the first aid station. She saw me for like three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) She drove like four hours to see you for three minutes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So there's that perspective. There's perspective mm-hmm. of uh, people who end up winning the race, and then there's mm-hmm. there's the whole like I was I was just telling you uh, like the suspense of who's gonna finish and who's not gonna finish, and like why why aren't mm-hmm. they gonna finish? And it's really interesting because you see something that happens maybe a few chapters previous, and it's just like a little thing. You're like, oh, they kind of like sort of rolled their ankle or something like that and then you see over time how that builds up into something that actually makes people have to quit the race oh yeah yeah which from an ultra runner perspective that's really interesting because you know we're always looking for ways to make sure we don't have to dnf so absolutely and and given the given the magnitude of this race with the 200 Um, 206.5 miles at the end there it's not like some other ultra runs too where you might be doing a 50 miler and at mile 40 you tweaked your ankle but you got 10 miles and so you're like you know what i'll just grind this out and finish it if you do something to your ankle at 40 miles in you got two your 160 some miles left to go Yeah, yeah and that you know so yeah it's uh it's interesting and then we all had different you know those of us that dropped out it was all for different reasons. Um, it wasn't just one reason or another. So um, the things that can happen out there. I mean, uh, the things that do happen are pretty crazy. There's some like crazy um, hallucination parts. <laughs> some of the laugh out loud moments. Yeah. Yeah, man. Can I read one? Is that, yep. is that a, yep. appropriate? Okay. So yeah. I can't even remember who this was. Uh, she basically thought a mountain lion that what didn't exist right. was trying to eat her. No, well, I'm this trying to be- remember. This was, this was Becca. Becca. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. she's hilarious too. Like every, yeah. every one of her chapters are really funny. Um, but basically she thought this mountain lion was trying to eat her and she named the mountain lion. Am I getting this right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, yes. she named the mountain lion, Karen. And so, um, uh, so it says, Honestly, I think my brain uses my completely irrational fear to get me moving. I think it tricked me, but either way, I got or it got me up and off the ground, and I made myself start running. Not walking, not hiking, just running and running hard. Crying and yelling out, you won't eat me. Not today, Karen. <laughs> uh, seriously, I was yelling at the non-existent cougar I was sure was stalking me that actually happened <laughs> i texted you that part 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I told you when you had texted me that too, like when I first read that, that part of her report, I, I almost fell out of my chair. Yeah. Like I was laughing so hard. And since then have used not today, Karen, like on a regular basis, <laughs> <laughs> just your mantra. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, the thing I really enjoyed about the book is because, or is that you can enjoy this from, if you're an ultra runner, you're really going to like it because it's, this insane event that not many people have actually participated in, you know, cause most ultra runners, if you ask them, you know, they've ran 50 K's 50 milers like I have, um, and trying to even wrap your head around a hundred miler, let alone 200 is really hard to do. So it's a cool way to like get into the mindset of people who do, do, uh, the big time two hundreds. Um, so that was cool. But also from, if you if you're not an endurance athlete or you're not a runner but you just are fascinated by these by like who would go on this crazy adventure and like what kind of weird stuff would happen along the way um you it would you would definitely connect to it that way too absolutely you know i just what i what i think about when we were just talking a little bit ago about the barkley marathons yeah it's kind of like the barkley marathons there are far more people interested in watching those documentaries yeah and reading about it than actually competing in it totally like i'm and this is kind of the same way like i'm completely fascinated by the barkley marathons i have no interest in going out and doing it you don't want to get just razor wired by all these <laughs> i'm not good at finding like my way around things yeah course markings are a re- requirement for me to go out yeah and run so yeah but no i think that's that's what the point you make though is that you don't have to be uh an endurance runner to get into this uh, yeah. the, the tales that are told are just so fascinating totally it just hooks you for sure yeah and well and if on the other hand if you were if you are someone who's training for a 200 and you want to know what to expect or you want to mm-hmm. understand how people train for this thing because there's not a lot of information out there uh, this would be a, like a super good resource for that too. Just this morning on the Bigfoot 200 Facebook page, a gal from Chile, she's coming up to run it this year. And she, she, she asked on there, she's like, Hey, can anyone give me some advice on this? Yeah. And I did a shameless self promotion <laughs> and just responded back to her and said, here's the link for my book pre-order. <laughs> like that check it out. It's yeah. everything you need to know. <laughs> hey man, shameless self promotions are okay sometimes. That's right. <laughs> um, that's the other like Midwestern thing. Like I always feel like since I'm always like, I don't want to be impolite and like self promote or anything. I'm not, I'm not good at that either, but <laughs> I need, I need to get better at it. I know it feels uncomfortable. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I need to get more pushy. Yeah, man. So let's push them towards the website right now. You guys definitely yeah. like let's peer pressure them. Okay. Like, yeah. All the cool kids are doing it. Come on. All the all the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> What's uh? How can people help? What's the website? All right. So what we got here? I, you ask me, my computer goes. So it's it's publishizer p u b l i s h i z e r dot com slash bigfoot dash two hundred. Okay, cool. And if you you uh, on my Facebook um, page, there's a link to it too. If you want to copy that and just attach it with okay the podcast, yeah, that way totally it's easier done. Yeah, we've actually had a, a author on before who had a successful publishizer campaign, so we are familiar with that. I just got his book in the mail, actually, and I gotta say, here's the coolest part about publishizer is you 
help someone out and you, you know, if it's a book you're going to read anyways, you're like, well, I might as well donate because I'm essentially just buying the book, you right. know, um, but it's also helping them out because it's showing the publishers that people are interested. But mm-hmm. the really cool part is you forget all about it. And then, you know, a few months later, a book comes in the mail and you're like, what is this package? And you open up and you're like, whoa, it works. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've done a couple of, I've bought a couple of these books from Publishizer too. And it is, it's fun, um, yeah. but it's, it's a good thing. And I got, I got the advice from Matt Fitzgerald who has published a number of books okay. on uh, endurance events and everything. He told me to use that. Um, the publisher, the, the guy that I'm working with at Publishizer too, is pretty excited about the project too. So dude, you're uh, totally, this is yeah. the, this is the very first book ever on these 200 mile races. And these things are, you know, they're blowing up they are. in popularity. So, yeah, man. Yeah. Sweet. So visit, visit publishizer.com slash Bigfoot dash 200. And, uh, yeah, we'll link that to the show notes. So thanks, Ryan, Sweet. man. It was good chatting with you. Good catching you up. You too, man. We'll chat again. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. Our next guest, as I said in the intro, is Jason Suddeth. I love Jason. He's one of the coolest dudes I know lives in the the Mecca of Danville, Virginia. I don't know why I said it that way. You're just like, Danville. Um, <laughs> Danville, Virginia. Uh, Jason's awesome. It, last time he was on the show, he ran his very first 50K, and then the other Bigfoot sightings were kind of leading up to that point. And you got to imagine my excitement when he called me and said, hey, man, I'm running a race tomorrow, and uh, I'm not super trained for it. And my excitement in those moments is always like, yes, this is going to be awesome. He's going to suffer a little bit, but that's a good thing. (laughs) And then he was telling me how, well, we'll get into it in the podcast, but let's just say the camping situation wasn't ideal either. But, uh, but yeah, hope you guys enjoy. All right, man. You just so this is Jason Suddeth. You're like the constant Bigfoot sightings guest. Yeah, because I'm doing cool shit. You're doing you're three for three, man, on the Bigfoot doing sightings. <laughs> um, so you called me up uh, out of the blue like last Friday, and you're like, "Hey, man, guess what I'm doing? I'm just driving to a state park, and I'm gonna run a 50k." Uh, kind of like on as a last minute thing. And, uh, and yeah, man, I was super stoked for you. And then, yeah, man. So I was like, Oh dude, I should just bring him on the podcast. so I can hear a little bit about this race. Uh, and then you said something super hilarious right before we started recording where you said, Oh, you mean the race, the weekend that made this week suck? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So elaborate, man. (laughs) Um, so today I think is Wednesday. It is. It Wednesday, is. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I couldn't tell you if it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's just been a week of Mondays. Um, cause I didn't really sleep this weekend and it made this weekend kind of, or this week kind of be weird. So my goal. No, no dude. Um, hey, I think it should be said how we're both recording this podcast. You are, outside in the lovely danville virginia weather oh man it looks beautiful there and i'm halfway between being inside and outside i was gonna say you look like you're in a garage 
I'm well, so it's super nice out, like 80 degrees here, the best day okay. ever. And I was like, oh man, I want to record outside. But then it's really windy out, and that was hitting the mic. So I'm actually here. Let me show you. I'm sitting. Okay. I'm sitting in my doorway. <laughs> Literally halfway inside and halfway outside. Exactly, man. Uh, well, it's weird because it's it's definitely like 50 degrees here and 80 degrees in Colorado. That's weird. That rocks. I know. I, I wonder that because you're rocking a sweatshirt right now. Dan River. Dan River <laughs> football. Um, man, so I guess what I was the most excited about was you called on Friday and you said yep. you were driving to Hungry Mother State Park, which is a real name. It is. I didn't know it existed. I looked it up. Did you learn any of the history about it? Um, No, I know nothing. I knew nothing going into it. That was what made this past weekend so amazing and so tiring. Yeah. I'm li- I like to imagine back in like the 1800s, there was uh, a lady and her husband there and like their kids and they were camping or something. And the husband forgot to bring food along, like forgot to. And then she was like, well, you can go hunt for our food because we're in the 1800s. And he was like, he was like, hey, like I accidentally forgot the gun to. And then she was like, what are you doing? And then they got in this like epic fight and someone yep. saw it and they're like, I proclaim this hungry mother. <laughs> and thus menopause happened. <laughs> the very first menopause. Um, no. Yeah. Is that really how it went down? Or I have no idea. I just bad. made that up. I, okay, I, I was going to say, it's not far from what I've actually heard happen. No way. Really? What, what do you think happened? So mom mom was explaining it to me it's it's something to do with some indians and whatnot i don't know i don't i don't want to paraphrase it because i'll butcher it and my father's a history teacher (laughs) don't disappoint him well i was excited because you called me up and you said all this uh, that you're doing the race and i was stoked for you for that but then you were like yeah man i'm sleeping in my hammock and it's gonna be in the middle of a rainstorm so tell us about that yeah, so on on Thursday afternoon, um, Buddy calls me up and he's like, "Hey, uh, I, I'm the, my, his, I mean, I knew his race was this weekend, but some things kind of fell through, and I wanted to support him because I half talked him into doing it because he was so inspired by what I done did, and um, all that. Long story short." Thursday night, I'm looking online for a campsite or somewhere to stay. Get one at the campsite that's about 10 minutes from where the race starts. Super stoked that I found one. And then I looked at the weather that night (laughs) as I was laying in bed. And I was like, they're calling for, like, snow and rain and sleet. So already kind of, like, nervous about decisions. And then all day through Friday... So, um, got to work in South Boston, which is 45 minutes away from me, at 7 a.m., and then left South Boston at um, quarter after 6, got back to Danville at 7, 7.40, something like that, packed up my car, drove three hours away... <laughs> in the dark which actually turned into being about four hours 
Dang. And pitched my tent <laughs> in, in, in what was, um, at the time, very, very wet and windy. Or the wind hadn't really started. It was just kind of raining. It was one of those, it started out as a mist, so everything's just automatically wet as yeah. you walk outside. And then it turned into a drizzle. And so I have like a little rain fly thing, put that over my hammock. I'm like, all right, I can deal with this. And that was, I think I actually laid in the hammock about 12 o'clock. <laughs> you and, gave it up, huh? <laughs> and I was in, I was laying down, finally kind of fell asleep. About two-ish in the morning, I wake up with gusts of wind, like just cutting through my sleeping bag and everything. I was, I was like, bump this, can't, can't deal. So I crawl, I let the seat down in the, in the Honda and crawl in there. And everything's wet. Like I'm <laughs> soaked all the way through. It was it was miserable. So, dude, that's hilarious, man. Because my very first 50k, I had a very similar experience, where I was like, dude, hammock camping just looks so cool. You know, right? You're like sleeping under the stars. You're like, this is gonna be awesome, man. And it never is. It never lives up to expectations. <laughs> well, I love. Typically, like, hammocking is what, I, I mean, I prefer it, but not in the rain or snow and yeah. wind. I had, the yeah. ex, I had, like, the extra, uh, like, weird obstacle okay. thrown in where I was trying to go to sleep early, first ultra marathon ever. I'm sitting in the hammock, reading a book, eating a burrito. I'm, like, feeling pretty good. I fall asleep, and I'm in a busy campground. Like, it's not like I'm in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. all of a sudden, after like 30 minutes of sleep, I just hear hundreds of girls like chanting stuff. And I was like, all the horror movies in my mind like came to my head. I was like, oh, no, there's girls <laughs> chanting. I'm going to die. And then it ended up it ended up just being like a Girl Scout gathering. <laughs> But I could not sleep. And then it rained on me. And oh, yeah, man. So I, I sympathize, dude. I was kind of like, when you told me that, I was like, oh, man, he's going to have an adventure. Oh, yeah. And so, all right, I, the whole weekend, I call it the, the lost in the Biblis because I did not officially, like, sign up for this race. Yeah. So didn't have any, like, I didn't get a bib. I didn't have anywhere to check in. There was no, no nothing. So I was super lost. I, I texted brian the guy that was actually running the race it's like hey what time's the race start where do i need to be <laughs> yeah um and so he's kind of he texted me a few things and so the race started at eight and so it was a late start i was kind of surprised but i ended up getting there and i was like yeah since i'm not i'm not i don't have a bib on i'm gonna start a little bit behind him just because i don't want to raise a big stank or anything and so I, I'm talking to his family right after he runs off. And they're kind of telling me what was going on. And so they were explaining what the course layout was. And it's a loop course. So there's um, – you're going up um, Molly's Knob okay. is the mountain. Um, or you go up. That is the big mountain. Um, I don't remember. I think throughout the whole course, I think it was like 19 – thousand feet of elevation change i think okay that's the number yeah man pretty hilly dude i looked at the map of it it's all around this big lake and it right. looks super mountainous yeah so you basically circle 
the lake twice. And so one loop is 25, two loops 50, obviously. And oh, I'm going, I'm feeling. Uh, so I talk to the family and everything, kind of get this the low down. And I start about 15 minutes after the official start. And I mean, you know, I, I was just, dumb. I was more tired from the beginning. I mean, I was excited and all. Yeah. Yeah. Only five hours of sleep and just in a car and the. Like you said, the beginning of a good adventure. And so I finally, I start running and I ended up out of, I, I, I decided to stop at the 25K mark um, just because I didn't want to get hurt and go too hard because I ended up, my time, I looked back at it, I was, so I went back Garmin time, so can't be super official but starting 15 minutes after everyone came in 22nd of 79 78 that rocks man so i was pretty i was pretty cool with it i mean it was fun because starting behind and i got all that big momentum at the beginning at the gate so i was like oh cool i can pass people and so i was like picking off all these like stragglers and stuff and, and and we were talking i was talking to them as i was running and stuff it just felt really good i don't know it was a very big momentum change i don't know i've never started at the end like that but it, it encouraged me that yeah. i was like, oh, cool um so wait is it one loop is 25k or is it like correct. okay so 50k are they doing like a loop clockwise and then going back counterclockwise nope. okay it is, yeah, very redundant. Okay. I don't know. I, I would have hated that 50K. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I did not do it. Um, because going up Molly's Knob, which is like the last 13-ish miles, you go up it, and then you come down it, and then you have to run back around to the other side of the lake, and then you go back out in this other, like, three or four-mile loop, or hoop. And then you're back at the finish. Okay. Start. So you basically, it's right there close to the end. Yeah. And it was literally like straight up hill. <laughs> and it was just, oh, uh, it tore my legs up. Dude, I was, people don't realize East Coast has some legit steep climbs. You know, yeah. I think people kind of like, since the mountains aren't as tall, they're like, oh, they're not as bad. But, like, dude, you get into some places where it's straight uphill and you're going through right. trees the whole time over giant boulders and roots. Like, that's pretty brutal stuff, dude, man. That's another thing. This, so, you know how, like, Rocky or um, Pilot Mountain was, like, straight smooth, like, trail. And then you get into, like, Hanging Rock and you've got, like, the, the rocks and the boulders and stuff take both of those courses and break down all of those rocks from hanging rock into gravel and widen them about a foot on either side. That was these trails. Really? So they're, up, yeah. Straight up horse path. No way. <laughs> and the entire time, but no joke, like verticals. Um, I'm not good at math, but like past 45 degrees. Whoa. In some Did you get to every, like I have to imagine at every aid station, Every single participant's like, you guys better have some food because I'm a hungry mother right now. 
I heard I heard that once. Yeah, and, sweet. <laughs> but so so what I ended up doing is I ran the whole first twenty five, and then I wanted to meet yeah. Brian, the guy that I went for, at the beginning of the uphill, like the hardest part. And so I went, I drove around to the other side of the mountain, and then hiked two, like it's a mile up to that aid station. And I volunteered at that aid station for like two hours. That's sweet, man. And I do have to say that if you have not volunteered in an aid station, to all you fellow Bigfooters, or, and I am officially now a Bigfooter groupie. That was my new title that I ignited myself with. Yeah. Um, my my fellow groupies, go volunteer because it's awesome. Dude, I've you, never volunteered at an aid station, so you got me beat. I had never done it before, and it was so much fun because it was number one, you knew what these guys were going through, and I was right there at the like being able to experience what they had already experienced, and then be able to talk to them, and then be like, yeah, you want Coca Cola because you just you're sucking wind. Yeah. Nope, you don't eat the sweet stuff. Stick to the salt. You're cramping up? Okay, you need these. And it was it was just really cool to be able to talk to them and see what they were doing. And um, I actually ended up talking to some of them who had done um, the Quest for the Crest. Yes. And got, like, good feedback from people. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, man, because that's your next event. Right, exactly. Which I do want to mention that briefly real quick. But so you've, you met your buddy and you ended up running yeah. kind of, like, the last bit with him? Yeah, exactly. So I ended up running the last like thirteen-ish miles, dude. So, or it was maybe a little. Less. It was right at like ten. It was at least ten. My Garmin, yeah. I didn't have it on the whole time. I decided to turn it on halfway through. Or so you essentially through. did like a trail marathon at that point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, did, I did it when it's all said and done. I did at least twenty-three miles. That's awesome. So, dude, that's perfect yeah. training run for you. And that was, that was what I went into it with. Was, yeah. Let's have, and let's support a buddy. Um, but my, so my buddy was the one that was, I inspired to do it. And he actually talked his brother into doing it. And his, he did like almost like virtually no training for it and ended up walking the last, like, I don't know, 10 miles, five, seven miles. And so it was, it was one of the sad moments going through with him. Just yeah. kind of encouraging and like, hey, come on. And he's, he just had had it. So <laughs> when I met him, I was like, how much do you hate me? And so much. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I was like, well, I, I, I feel half responsible for you running for this. So I ran half of the race. Yeah. And, yeah. That's hilarious, but man. Like, how do you was, feel? How do you feel at the end? Like crossing that finish line? Brian was ecstatic. I mean, you could tell. I mean, they both were. Like, once you run a 50K, you're like, you, you up that ante of, yeah. I am officially a cool-ass dude. <laughs> and and you could see it. I mean, it's just such a, they ended up, the two brothers, like, he, he kind of held back, Brian and I, and we waited for Daniel, the other, the other guy, and we ended up like sprinting the last little bit just to finish and so the two brothers finished at the same time and they were the last last two people to come across the finish line and it was just a super super cool sweet moment for them because the the entire um like race coordinator and got to meet them and stuff at the end but they everybody was super supportive and it was it was just really cool like 
next year i think i'm going to run the entire 50k yeah with the group because they're cool people yeah that's awesome man but yeah so at the end uh, like i did the volunteer and then said the last loop that we were doing in the last little hump of the trail i just told the the director like hey in i'll I'll pick up the rest because he was picking up flags and stuff because we the last one oh cool man so i picked up the last three miles worth of trail markers and flags and I Dude. get to the end, he like gives me this huge hug because the snow is pouring at this point. I forgot to mention that. Um, <laughs> that little and detail. Like, just just snowing its tail off at that point. And he, he like gave me a big hug at the end. And Dude, you, you, you deserve this. He gave me a shirt. Like I didn't even sign up for the race. And he like gave me a <laughs> handful of like uh, goose and uh, the shirt. And he's like, did you get did you get lunch or dinner or anything? And so he gave me one of the the meals that they had prepped for lunch and i was like i'll do this more thanks man dude that's so cool man so you and i didn't even expect this but you did three things in the ultra running world that i've never done you well i guess i kind of have crewed somebody sort of but you crewed somebody you crewed your friends you worked at an aid station which i've never done and i've always wanted to i have a dream in the future of when my girls are a bit older of just working some aid stations with them. And then you did something called you were the sweeper, which yep. is the last guy on the course picking up the flags. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. And it, it, I, I, it was really fun. It made me kind of really want to, like I said, people should aid, do, do the aid stations. Yeah. I mean, if anything, volunteer. And there's, there's several of them that I think I've heard it on your podcast before. I mean, people who, the more you, whatever you volunteer for you get a free race yeah you you get stuff out of it it's it's super sweet though it's beneficial on both sides yeah man that rocks well let's real quick just mention you're signed up for one of my favorite races of all time the quest for the crest in Asheville or black mountain north carolina by Asheville. yeah how's what what kind of info did you get man um so i talked to one guy and he was saying how they've changed part of the course they sure did and he was telling me that the entire like the first two miles took him two hours whoa dude i will tell you the first 5k took me like an hour 15 and at times i'm not even joke like i'm not over exaggerating here you're you're climbing on like with your hands too yeah Uh it's vertical man because i did it two years in a row i the first year i did the 10k which is just the first portion of it and that's the only race they had then and then the second year i came back and did their very first 50k and uh dude it's a beast not only that though because that part is difficult and you won't be running much but (laughs) the second so you get to the top that's like three miles and then the next four miles or three miles or so is straight downhill the whole entire time. And you just beat the living hell out of your legs during that downhill. And then you get down there. Okay, so in the 10K, that's the end. and the 50K, you get down to the bottom. There's an aid station. And then you just turn right back around and you hike up <laughs> those three or four miles you just went down. It's, uh, uh, it's pretty yeah. awesome, man. It's... Uh, I don't know. I've, what I've what heard, else did you hear? Yeah. I've heard, like like I said, I mean, just that it's hella brutal. I mean, just 
they told me to take my 50k time and multiply it by two. Yeah. Which is absurd. That's fair. That's, That's absurd. Yeah, it took me nine. It almost took me 10 hours. It may have took me 10 hours to do that 50k, which is the same as my 50 miler time, basically. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't plan on running for 15 hours. I'm not joking, man. I probably ran five miles of that race. Like, there's just not a lot of runnable stuff. Even the downhills yeah. are... the That first downhill I just mentioned, you can run that. It's on a road. But then there's yeah. a downhill. The next, like, big section of downhill is just, like, jagged, gigantic boulders. And I'm just thinking to myself, I wish I could have seen first place run that race. Because I don't know how you would actually run it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But so, did you hear any other course changes? I know they made a big one. Uh uh-uh. uh, that was the only real one that I heard. So this time, I believe, and I could be wrong, but uh, the guy putting it on is named Runbum, Sean mm-hmm. Blanton. He's awesome, dude. He's hilarious. If you like podcasts, there's one called East Coast Trail and Ultra, and yep. his stories on it are my favorite things in the world. And I knew of like I had met him before they started doing that podcast. And I just remember thinking like, this guy's the coolest dude in the world. <laughs> um, He's in Moab right now, I think. He is. I saw that, man. Yeah. So he puts on a great race, man. That's a, and I guess, well, let me tell you the change. So from what I've heard yeah. is you're going to actually summit Mount Mitchell this year, okay. Dope. which is the tallest mountain on the East coast during the race. When I did it, we got within maybe a mile and a half of the top, but they didn't have permission to head all the way to the top. Ouch. That's a, that's a long ways up. That's a long <laughs> way. Dude, there's, I think it, the race breakdown, there's like three really big climbs mm-hmm. of that like right there at the beginning. And then, yeah. Yeah. And the climbs are all like at least 3000 feet elevation gain. Dude, it's a beast, man. <laughs> I will I will bring my tracking poles and I've been Good told call. that I probably won't be able to actually use them because it, it's just so you're climbing so much that you won't be able to actually use them. Yeah. That is curing the people behind you. Yeah, I don't I'm trying to remember. I remember the last climb wasn't too bad. Or not too bad. I mean it wasn't too steep. It was still super right. long. It seemed like it took forever. But it wasn't like super steep. Like there were some actual parts you could run. But dude, I'm so excited for you. I I'm super excited. But <laughs> reservation <laughs> there, man. I heard some reservation. Well, well, it's gonna be like I don't know. I'm not ready to have my first do not finish or did not finish thing. I dude, you know. won't. You just honestly, man, just keep hiking. Hike your pace. Hike at a pace. Yeah. The first climb's gonna really suck. After that the climbs aren't as steep they're still like pretty long like they take right. a while but like i think you have plenty of time i can't remember the race cutoffs but i think you have plenty of time and dude that one i remember i was like looking to actually race like going into it i'm like <laughs> oh i felt super trained i'm like yeah i'm gonna actually race this thing and then i got going and i just didn't feel up to it that day i was like you know what i met a cool group of guys i'm like i'm just gonna hang with these guys right. um and, and that's, yeah, I mean, and that's part of it too, is I don't feel as trained going in. Right. I mean, I know I've got four weeks, but 
still like at this point I just my time I don't have enough time allocated to training and I think it's going to come back to eat me like it's going to bite me in the rear maybe man but then okay so this is just I have a 50k this weekend as well and this is the first one I don't feel super trained for um but I'm kind of excited because I'm like maybe the other ones I was too trained like there's no way of really knowing unless I actually just go out and try it, you know, kind of experiment a bit. And I guess that's true because this past weekend was just, it was also a testament of, I didn't train. I mean, I was running. Yeah. I'm running like every other day and whatnot, but this one, I went into it and I don't know, there, I don't, I didn't like recognize any names and whatnot as far as like the competition out there, but I was in, in the pack of these runners and the yeah. 25 pairs. And and we felt and so that's kind of I guess what you're trying to say is yeah I went like, into it with a mindset of I'm gonna have fun and nothing else matters exactly one well, the only way of knowing whether or not you are training too much or you're training not enough or you're mm-hmm. training just right is to kind of like try different training plans you know and because right. you know dude you might be you might find that your legs are actually like super well rested and they're strong enough to power you through it you know true or you might or you might or you might just like uh completely <laughs> fall apart <laughs> and that's the fun for me exactly. as the podcast host i get to find out <laughs> i get to experience your you know <laughs> suffering through you yeah oh it, it's gonna be fun regardless i don't care i mean i get to go and adventure and that at the end of the day that is all i want Heck and that's yeah. what i love about trail running itself and that's what this is about and us and our friendship was built on it because we have a mutual desire to adventure and just be the pioneering and whatnot that short of going into space and going deep under the ocean that this is as pioneering spirit as we can get yeah and and that's what i love about it and it doesn't matter whether we get the dni or we we actually like come in first place it's we get to go out and explore i think i was listening to one of candace's interviews with you and she was talking about just the different atmosphere of setting up these races for people and that was just a perspective change for me was they are like planning our adventure a little bit yeah they don't know what adventure people are going to have but they're laying out the groundwork and that's that excites me that like you were saying, the run bum, he's, he's set that out for us. And I mean, I'm stoked just to go and experience it. Yeah, man. I love that, man. I really have, the more you think about race directors, the more you appreciate them because I'm like, you yeah. guys set up these adventures there. There's an aspect, an element of safety, but then there's also an element of like, there's just enough safety for you to be like, okay, this is going to be like, you know, if I'm, but- if I'm like a reliable person, in this situation like chances are i'm going to be fine but it's also right. enough of a challenge and a yeah. suffering and that you get to, to, our that. Edge, to find that edge yeah exactly yeah. man they help you they help you do that which is which is sweet man so awesome dude well i'll have you back on we'll do a whole show um a whole show to kind of like capture <laughs> the quest for the crest experience because i i love that race so much yet to be determined on my side dude you got it man it's the uh, here's what you all you got to remember during that first climb 
you're gonna climb up there and the view from the top is breathtaking like it's one of my favorite it has to be in the top like three favorite views on the east coast for me so cool it's awesome dude so all right man well we will get we'll catch back up with you yeah <laughs> see ya later man all right last but definitely not least uh we're going to catch back up with jennifer mabus just a few days before she's about to head out on the pacific crest trail um i'm super pumped for this if you guys want to follow her journey, you can go to YouTube. You can follow her at The Whimsical Woman uh, on YouTube. You can follow her on Instagram as well. Um, I'm just excited. I love people going out for adventures, stepping outside their comfort zone, doing something off the beaten path. And I think Jennifer's story really connects with that idea. So so hope you guys enjoy this brief kind of catch up with Jennifer right before she hits the trail. Okay, we're going to welcome uh, Jennifer Mabus back to the podcast. Uh, so, Jennifer, you have quite a big event coming up in a few days. Yes, I do. Let's see. I'm about two days away. Yep. <laughs> That's so crazy. I didn't know. So, only two days? Yep. I, I start uh, hiking on Saturday, April 14th. Wow. Well, how are you feeling right now? Right now, I'm pretty nervous. Yeah. Um, because I still I have all my gear laid out, and but I think once I get it packed up and then drive down to the Mexican border, um, I think it'll be more excitement. Yeah. Do you think it's like I don't know? Anytime you're leading up to this big event, just sometimes the anticipation can almost be overwhelming, and then when oh, you actually start, yeah. it goes away. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, because planning like a hike for five months is <laughs> is a pretty big deal. It's really daunting. Um, but once I think I'm going to step foot on the trail, I'm going to realize it's just like a hike, you know, Yeah. and which I love doing. I love being outdoors. So then I think all of my nervousness will definitely go away. Yeah, I got to imagine like just, you know, because you're probably worried. I, mean, I don't know. What are you worried about at this point? Oh man, right now, like, yeah, (laughs) right now I'm worried just about making sure I don't forget anything. (laughs) Um, but for like the big picture, I'm just still worried about like, uh, taking care of my feet and not getting hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just right now I'm just trying to get my gear packed up and then make it to the Mexican border. Yeah. So that's my short term goal right now. (laughs) Well, and I feel like it's going to be like five months of short term goals. Oh yeah. I, I heard someone say this one time and I loved it, but they were talking about through hiking and just thinking about it as uh, a day hike every day. Yeah. You know, instead of thinking about like, months and months of hiking just think about it as every day you wake up and you're just doing a day hike and that to me makes it more manageable and less less scary (laughs) yeah for sure and that seems almost therapeutic where it's like you know teaches you how to be comfortable in the present moment and kind of like being cool with being patient and where you are right now versus you know freaking out about the whole thing (laughs) about the big picture exactly 
Yeah. Exactly. And that, and that's like the whole point of me going out there and hiking the PCT is to just be present and enjoy even those small moments of like watching a sunrise or something, you know? And so if I think about everything I have to do and start to panic about how many miles I need to make with this and that, then I think it's going to not make the experience what I wanted it to be. So, you know, taking those small little uh, tasks day by day will really help me. So I'm trying to do that right now, even with all my gear, but I think, I think I'm doing okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So are you going to like drive down there to the border or are you flying? Like, how does that work out? So my dad decided to do um, the first like five days with me. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, so he is actually, uh, we're driving down together and then he has a friend down like in Southern California that we're going to stay with where he's going to leave his car and then his friend is going to drop us off at the Southern Terminus. That's cool. That's like super special for you guys. Yeah, he's driving me a little crazy right now, you know, typical father-daughter, <laughs> because I think he's so excited, he won't stop talking about it, Yeah, and it's just funny, because I'm like, Dad, I'm trying to help you, but I have to focus on my own gear right now, <laughs> you know, so it'll be fun, we're, we're having a good time already, you know, it's been a lot of good bonding moments, and um, I think it's going to be great, because him and I have never done anything like this together, so... Yeah, it's going to be pretty special. Yeah. Is he like an outdoorsy type of person? He is. So he used to be a, a Green Beret. Oh, in wow. The special Forces. Okay. So that's why he's, I came home uh, from Seattle and out on the table, he had machetes and binoculars and these weapons. And I just like <laughs> look at the table and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, this is his gear list. This is his gear list. So, yeah, so that's why it's been kind of funny because he thinks we're going on some mission, I think. That rocks. Yeah, so it's been fun. But, yeah, he's, you know, camped outside so much of his life. Um, But this is a little bit more chill, so I'm just trying to – trying to remind him that this is this was a bit more chill than what he's done before so uh <laughs> you're like yeah, dad leave the machete fun. leave the machete at home like yes yes we don't need this and yeah he he's pretty intense but i i think it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah that's awesome that's so cool i i have this like dream in the future of taking my daughter's uh on the colorado trail one summer oh and just yes. doing that whole thing oh yeah I got to imagine like just that amount of spending that amount of time with another person, even if it's your dad, like someone you've known your whole life, that has to be like a completely different scenario for you guys. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure we're going to just get into conversations that we would never have gone into otherwise. Yeah. You know, just because of like the surroundings and however we're feeling. And uh, that's what I'm looking forward to most with him I think that's awesome how did so how did it feel leaving Seattle leaving kind of like your normal routine and comforts um and like leaving friends I thought actually it was gonna be harder uh because I had to move out of my condo that I just absolutely absolutely loved and obviously leaving my friends we just have so much fun together and um I just love Seattle more than anything. So I thought it was going to be way harder, but I think I'm so ready to hike 
the PCT that I'm actually was excited because it meant that I was like that much closer. Yeah. So I, I, I think I'll miss it, but I'll be fine. I mean, obviously like I plan on going back there after my hike, but it was actually, it was actually easier than I thought. So that was a positive surprise. That's awesome. That's awesome. So like, I guess when you're starting in the middle of the desert, I, I, I'm just, I don't know a whole lot about the PCT. So is the desert considered one of the difficult sections? I think, I think so, but just because it's so different than the other section. Okay. Um, like every section has its personality. And so the desert is hard because um, there's a lack of water and it's really hot and there's no cover, like no shade. So people do get pulled off from uh, dehydration or exhaustion, things like that. So you're carrying probably more, possibly more weight in the desert in some portions than anywhere else on the trail because you're carrying so much water Yeah, and water is very heavy and everything. So that's challenging because um, I don't do well in the heat. So I'm a little nervous about the desert because there's no shade. It's just like relentless sun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is challenging in that aspect for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, how, how many miles until you're out of like what's considered the desert? So I, I could be wrong. So um, You're going to find out one I way or the other, which is cool. <laughs> I will. So if I'm, I'm wrong, you know, whatever. But for some reason, um, 700 miles in, there's a place called Kennedy Meadows. Okay. And that's where people usually switch into their snow gear. Because when you're starting to get into an elevation now where it's starting to turn into snow, if it hasn't already. Yeah. So about maybe 700 miles. But I know that you can get snow on certain peaks in the desert depending on what elevation you're at. But yeah, I mean, around there. I'll yeah. let you know after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, you know, as you're just kind of like getting the last few days of preparation ready, like what are you, and I'm, I might've even asked this on the previous podcast, so sorry if I did, but what are you looking forward to the most through, through this whole journey? So if you did ask me that, I might answer it differently now. Yeah, <laughs> see? Know, yeah, okay. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, I think what I'm most looking forward to is just like the freedom. And I, the freedom of just being out by myself. Yeah. Um, or, or even meeting new people. But just the idea of like, I don't have a set schedule. You know, I don't have certain like responsibilities. Um I just, I don't know, just being free, like being able to make my own schedule where I can walk as much as I want. I can get off the trail when I want. I just, um, I'm really excited about being with myself and um, just, yeah, experiencing these moments I will never be able to experience unless I do something like this. Yeah, that rocks. I I love your article for, that you wrote for the trek. Um, the like, why oh, are you yeah. hiking? <laughs> It was so good. First of all, you're a hilarious writer. There's, you're really <laughs> funny. So you should keep blogging, please. Thank um, you. Thank you. But I really like the moment you're talking about, like, the reason why you're doing this. And it's really, it's super simple. And you mentioned freedom in there. But then you kind of just mentioned, yeah. like, this is something I can't get out of my head. Yeah. And I think with that, sometimes people want 
more of an answer or even myself, I want more of an answer, like a better answer. But sometimes like if you just can't stop thinking about something, it doesn't really have to make sense. You don't really have to know why, like, or have all the answers, but this is clearly something that like your mind and your body's like wanting you to do. So yeah, I just, I'm so excited to do this and I can't really explain why. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I think that's awesome though. And I think that's probably something that you will discover along the way, which is exciting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I guess just to kind of wrap this up and like, let you get ready, start preparing. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> what what kind of if people are inspired by your story, what kind of advice would you offer them? I mean, if someone has this epic adventure they've always wanted to take on, what what would you tell that person? I think the the main thing is to not like underestimate what others will do for you. So something that I've come across talking with people is that they just automatically quit their jobs because they just assume their boss wouldn't give them time off or they just assume they wouldn't be able to sell their things or save enough money. But for me, it's just just ask people, ask your boss for the time off, start selling things, save up money, you know, just see what you can do because so many people, I think, hold back on their dreams or something that they really want to do because they just assume the worst. And so, yeah, my advice would just be for people to just do whatever it takes to make your dream happen. And I know that sounds cliche and a bit cheesy, but it's really true because I think even people's bosses could be inspired and totally let people take a leave of absence and then come back or you just never know. Right. And so I think that's it. Just, you know, if people want something bad enough, I really truly believe that in time that people can definitely make it happen. Yeah, that's awesome. That's perfect. So where can people follow your journey if they want to be inspired by, uh, you know, by all of your, I'm assuming misadventures that are going to happen. Oh yes. Oh yes, of course. Um, I'm going to be uh, vlogging. So I have a YouTube channel. It's under the whimsical woman and under that same name on Instagram at the whimsical woman, those two accounts, I think I'll be posting most frequently. And, um, I will be blogging on my website, which is the whimsicalwoman.com, but I don't know how frequently I'll be able to update those. Totally. Writing on a phone takes a bit longer. Oh, and yeah, that would have to be a huge pain in the ass. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. So I, I'm definitely going to be journaling every day and I might blog after I'm done with a hike you know, just like daily journals or daily entries. But, but yeah, so YouTube and Instagram. Awesome. Well, good luck, Jennifer. I'm excited to follow the journey. So it's going to be sweet. Thank you. (laughs) All right. See you later. Yeah, I appreciate it. Bye. Have fun on your run tomorrow. Oh, totally. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. All right, that'll do it for this week's Like a Bigfoot podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, I really have fun with the Bigfoot sightings. Um, They're a blast. I like catching up with all these really cool people. And if you guys want to hear the episodes they were on previously, uh, check out all of our episodes at iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you guys find podcasts. Um, And look back through the guests and you'll, you'll hear their episodes. And you'll see a whole bunch of other really cool interesting guests that I'm hoping I can catch up with uh, at some point in the future. So anyways, not a long outro this week. Um, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at a bowl of chocolate chips.
because at some some points, you know, it's 8.30 at night and my discipline falls away and I eat a bowl of chocolate chips. And you know what? I'm okay with that. And yeah, that'll wrap up the show. <laughs> we'll get back at you next week. See you guys.